0: I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio so stay tuned. Friends, I'm excited to let you know about Connection Summit conversations. This is six candid conversations between Marissa Martino, myself, and occasionally a special guest, covering everything from the human half of dealing with dog-directed reactivity to the importance of play. So check out the link in the show notes. We're getting started soon, and you won't want to miss it. Hey, everybody. This episode is all about puppies. And that was spurred by a couple of Patreon questions. The first one from Astrid, who asked, what are the first five behaviors you teach a puppy? And then also from Connor, who wrote, on a Facebook post, you mentioned Ray Ray's first patio dining experience was at the ripe old age of seven months. Can you talk more about what went into that decision? Pandemic, breed, individual dog, learned experiences from previous puppies, thanks. So both of those questions I'm going to go through, um, and then some, because this is a topic that I'm constantly being asked about even when I'm not raising a puppy. So if you follow me, you know that I have a puppy named Rhea. She's an Icelandic sheepdog, and as of a few days ago, she's eight months old. And as far as the first five behaviors that I teach, I don't have a list. I don't have a checklist for my dogs typically i'm teaching a recall and a nose target first and then probably a down is third and all of that just has to do with preference and need so i like a nice sustained nose target i get i get that going really early i like down to be an easily offered default so i also get that going really early the recall of course Recalls are a way of life around here. I don't even consider it necessarily a behavior that I train because it is a multitude of behaviors that I heavily reinforce. So I'm getting going on my recall training immediately. And I do have an episode all about how I train recalls that I hope you'll check out if you're wondering now what that looks like so rather than behaviors i like to focus on how to learn with me so basically how to work the system and the system being me and my food to get what you want so that's what i want my puppies to know is that there's a system in place here and that they can work the system to their advantage so i'm going to teach them that really early on basically as soon as they're eating from my hand so probably. The first behavior I teach them is eat from my hand. As soon as they're eating from my hand, I'm teaching them how to learn with me. And from there, it's very much guided by the dog that I'm teaching. Um, And I'll get into that in a minute. And then other than that, I want to just show them how to dog. I want to show them how to be a dog in my life. And a dog in my life needs to off-leash hike, needs to interact freely and easily with other dogs, Um, I don't want them to be obsessed with other dogs, but I really want them to feel very confident and comfortable with other dogs, which does mean a lot of play and introductions. I also need them to be house trained. I think everybody needs that. So I'm working immediately on potty training. Rhea was the easiest so far, and I credit uh, her great breeder with that. She has a really good system for helping the puppies learn that before they go home. Crate training, really high on my list. So comfort with confinement and comfort with being left alone, really high on my list. But I only do it in so far as the puppy shows me they are ready. My happy crating course um, goes through that in depth and I'll have some links on how you can access that prepared for you. So basically, I'm looking at what I need I'm looking at what the puppy is showing me they need to know, and I'm going from there. I have really high-priority stuff, like the off-leash hiking behaviors, which includes that recall, as well as a tight radius, um, and dog-dog sociability, house training and crate training, and... Then I have my lower priority stuff. And my low priority stuff is really any sort of sport-related behaviors. Do I love teaching that stuff and getting that stuff going? Of course I do. So as soon as the puppy is into the game, as soon as the puppy wants to train with me, I'm teaching sport behaviors. But I want them to want it first. So before I teach sport-related behaviors... I want them to show me some pushiness. I want them to show me, um, you know, I want them to run straight to the training space. I want them to be really interested in my food rewards, that sort of thing. And then I get going on teaching actually reinforcement cues. So ways to take reinforcement. I'm going to introduce the puppy to food robot, um, a tossed treat, a treat from my hand. I'm going to show them all the varied ways that they can get rewarded through any given uh, training scenario. And I'm also going to introduce toys. And I really allow the puppy to push the toy training in the direction it wants to go. Rhea right out the gate was a good retriever and a good tugger, which is perfect. So of course, we're doing both of those things. We're doing fetch and tug. She really enjoys both. And it's, It's allowing me to build some behaviors um, into her tug training so that I can actually use toys as reinforcers later on for sport behaviors. And it's essentially when the puppy shows me they're ready to learn something, I teach it to them. So... Rhea just did her first uh, puppy jump grids around age six months because around age six months I saw her cleanly jumping logs in the forest and up until that point she'd kind of scramble over or under them and then she kind of figured her body out and learned how to do it herself and so then I introduced her to a grid. Don't freak out, nothing light, just um, some easy puppy grids that I wouldn't do with every puppy. But Rhea showed me that her body was ready to do that. I taught her retrieve when she trotted into my training room one day and found a pen on the floor and picked it up and brought it to me. She said, hey, check this out. I was like, wow, okay, you're ready to learn retrieve today because you just showed me that you are comfortable picking up novel items that are not toys and holding them in your mouth. To go back to Connor's question about why did she go to a patio when she was seven months, part of that is the pandemic. I would have had her out at patios sooner than that, but I would have had her out sooner because she showed me she was ready sooner than that. So a lot of puppies, I think, get bombarded with those types of situations. And To be fair, my baby puppies like eight or nine weeks usually do go eat on a patio and they sit on my lap and it's really fine and easy for them. But being a little bit older, I wanted her to show me that she was able to settle in public while moving because that's easier than settling in public and being still. So sitting on a patio and having nothing to do and having to just hang out is harder than just hang out, but walk with me. Let's move from A to B. There's people here, there's stuff going on. You're not lunging at them. You're not barking. You're not trying to jump on people. You're just walking on a loose leash. She showed me she was capable of doing that stuff. And so I asked her if she could do a patio. Crate settling ability really tells me what I'm going to do with the crate. So everybody is very, you know, maybe confused isn't the right word, but Curious about, you know, I don't use punishment with the crate, um, meaning I am not interested in using a bark collar or anything like that or a spray bottle. I'm interested in the dog learning that the crate is a place to relax. And so when they show me that they're capable of relaxing in the crate, with multiple different kind of things going on, then I'm going to increase what those things are. So right now I would not take her to a group class and expect her to be crated while I like walked a course or something because I think she'd be a little bit agitated by that. But I am expecting her to be in a crate more while there are other things going on and and while she maybe doesn't want to settle. She had to do this quite a bit Um, when I was on the road. I took her on a trip, which is... I'll just put a pin in that because that's another important milestone, I think, for puppies. And, you know, she had to sometimes be in a crate while when she didn't want to be in a new place that she didn't necessarily know about. So I would crate her at my parents' home and, you know, go about my business because it was like 90, 100 degrees. There was no way she could go with me and have to be in the car um, while I ran, you know, errands or saw friends or whatever else. So she'd have to just be crated and chill with that. I knew that she could do that because she had showed me she could do that at home. I wouldn't have put her in a situation where she showed me distress regarding the crate. That is something that I wanna avoid big time. So coming back to that pin, for me a milestone is taking them on a road trip. Um, It's long hours of crating in the car so they've gotta show me they're ready to do that. And it's being quiet in a hotel. Hotels are kinda weird, there's a lot of noises it's a tough thing. I usually actually like to do this earlier because I like to do it before they know a whole lot about the world. Uh, Felix went on his first road trip pretty much right away when I got him. He was like nine weeks old and we turned around and went on a road trip. That's how I would prefer to do it but because of the pandemic I couldn't do it with Rhea and I'm happy with how well she did and she has some good mentors my dog is really good at traveling and really good at hotels and so she was able to see okay we come in here and we just don't do anything we come in we eat dinner we get a chewy we go to bed that's pretty much what hotels look like they're not they're not a time to be alerting to every noise they're not a time to be running around wild and she got a nice crash course in that recently so when it comes to my puppies it isn't about behaviors, it's about life skills. It's about crate training, house training, um, off-leash reliability. And then the behaviors I teach are the behaviors that I want to be the most robust because I do think the first verbal cues that you teach them are going to be the strongest throughout their life if you do a good job. And so that sustained nose target and that down and the response to their name, which is the start of my recall, is are probably the cues that I teach first. So essentially, it's it's just like any other new dog that you get. I don't think puppies are different. I don't think they're aliens. You're going to see behavior. You're going to manipulate the environment to see the behaviors that you want. And you're going to deliver re- reinforcement for those behaviors and repeat. And some more Patreon questions for you. The first one comes from Annalise, who writes... When thinking about enriching behaviors my dog loves to do, and she says the dog is a staffy mix, chasing birds is high on the list. Sometimes I'm fine with this when we're at the beach and pretty alone, but other times it's not an optimal situation. Would you recommend putting this on a specific chase cue so the dog can enjoy doing this when the conditions are right? I feel like I've heard about this, but not quite sure how to best do it. She has a general go-ahead cue that's been my loose release for her to go on walking after a recall or something like that and I'm not sure how that would be differentiated from some kind of chase cue. I haven't worked on a super clear release word in our general training. Go ahead just kind of happened when we're out hiking and she responds to it. Alternatively, would you discourage chasing altogether? It seems like there can be a happy medium in here somewhere. She's reactive and getting out on excursions like this has helped our training for for that and when we're back in the city, hoping to get the most out of it in a safe way. Aaliyah kind of chimed in um, after this comment saying, I'm curious about this too. I use Go Chase as well. My dog is still not trustworthy enough to be off leash, but letting her chase lizards on cue has already improved her focus on me when she sees a lizard. We probably see 20 lizards on any given walk and I only let her chase some of them. Okay, so the general question is, there are a couple of questions. One is, should I let the dog chase wildlife at all? The other is, should I put wildlife chasing on cue? And... The answer really just depends on your situation. If you have enough situations in which you could cue the dog to chase the whatever and the dog would reliably do so when cued and not otherwise and also the dog would come back um, afterwards, you know, if that works well for you, then sure. For me... My dogs are not allowed to chase wildlife. So, if so, basically, because of that, I don't have a cue for them to do it. So, for me, in my life and in my situation, which doesn't have to be your life and your situation, chasing wildlife is something that I actively train against from day one so that it's never something that they engage in. However, As Aaliyah said sometimes it can work really well as something that you put on cue and that kind of becomes a game for the dog to see the wildlife look to you to ask then you say chase and you give them that thing they were really asking for and that can be a really beautiful kind of two way street. So the answer is it depends on your situation. It depends on if that works um, in your life. If it does, I would try to get some stimulus control on it, meaning put it on cue and reinforce with food or something for the dog not doing it when it is not being cued and move forward that way. Okay, next one comes from Maria who writes, I have a new puppy, Click, in the house, and I have so many questions for you, but I'll go for this one first. Click is playing with my five-year-old Border Collie Kenobi all the time. They get along great. They are both very sweet and affectionate, and when I sit on the floor to interact with calm pets and hugs with both of them, the puppy gets very excited and will be trying to bite both me and Kenobi. He's often biting Kenobi in the face. Kenobi is so sweet and either doesn't really react to him or starts playing with him. Other times when they're playing and the puppy bites hard or does something out of line, Kenobi will give appropriate corrections. While I'm glad Kenobi is not showing signs of resource guarding of me, I'm worried the puppy is developing a concerning behavior. Besides the old no bite and pushing his body away, I'm really not sure how to handle this. I am doing lots of downstays for the two of them side by side in front of me, but it's different when I'm cuddling Kenobi on the floor. How do I get Little Click to not attack us? It seems like he's trying to play and he thinks I've just added myself to the wrestling match. Should I just start to give them both treats for not attacking each other when I'm hugging them? I don't want to discourage or poison their relationship." So. Maria, really common, I think, issue is puppies being a little bit over the top with adult dogs in the household. And when you've got really sweet boy dogs who don't tell puppies what's appropriate and what's not, we, we then have to step in and be the voice of reason there. So the number one thing is to recognize that this is a juvenile behavior pattern, which means that it'll get better if... It's not practiced. So if you simply don't put yourself in that situation, don't sit on the floor with both of them. Or if you're going to sit on the floor, have them both in those downstays for food. If you just don't practice it, it will improve with age is my experience with that. I don't want to ruin the puppy's relationship with Kenobi. I don't want to encourage the puppy biting you. I don't want any of that to happen. So I think you've got a really clear situation in which it occurs and you can simply avoid that situation while the puppy matures. And then meantime, you're doing a lot of right stuff as far as encouraging the dogs to practice calm behaviors near each other and near you so that you can build them both up for having um, a good cohesive relationship with each other for the next you know 10 years or more next one is from rosie rosie writes i had previously considered my rescue dog a mild to moderate resource garter with respect to other dogs but not people If she has a high-value chew, she'll growl at another dog if they come near. This is the only time I've ever heard her growl. But as long as the other dog backs away, that's that. If she's playing with other dogs, though, and there's a ball or stick involved, I see her snap and lunge at other dogs who try to take it once she has possession of it. She'll also do the same to other dogs who come near us when I'm holding a toy. However, she goes out every couple of weeks with a dog walker who has informed me how good she is at sharing toys with the other dogs. I trust her assessment as she knows what she's doing, but it's a strange discrepancy. What might be the reason for this? I don't tend to get involved too much when she's out in the fields playing with other dogs, but clearly my presence is doing something. Very interesting, right, Rosie? So our presence can change everything. And it's amazing to me, like you're kind of flabbergasted as well, how different the antecedents look to a dog when just their person is there. So I would say that if the dog walker doesn't have a problem, then the dog walker doesn't have a problem. Although man, I think I'd want some video evidence because <laughs> I, I trust your dog walker too, if you do. I, think she's, I don't think she's lying to you, but man, I would want to see it. Um, because maybe some of her other behaviors are different too. Maybe she acts differently around the other dogs in general without you there. So I, I'd want to see it on video just for my own curiosity. And then when you are involved, I wouldn't have toys involved. I would, if, if that's avoidable, um, because guarding your stuff against other dogs is really normal dog behavior. And we just don't want it to cause a fight or be an issue. So I tend not to have um, toys involved, especially with dogs that are that find toys very, very important. But yeah, very, very interesting. And next one comes from SI who writes, I just listened to the podcast mini episode where you answered Patreon questions. You mentioned having a surprise treat for recalls. Given the power of the dog's sense of smell, can we really have a surprise treat on our body? So you're spot on. The surprise is that they get to have it. Um, The beauty of it is that I don't always give it to them. So I will often go on a hike where my surprise treat was never needed. And so they're used to me having stuff on me. They're also used to not always getting it. So um, yes, certainly they can smell it probably way further away than, than any of us could even imagine, right? So a true surprise, probably not likely, but the surprise of actually getting to have it, I think is what packs that punch. And last one for today comes from Lindsay who writes, I'm toying with the idea of taking my dog to some agility trials or fun matches coming up soon. He's nowhere near ready to trial yet, but I want to just acclimate him to the trial environments to prepare for the future will not be going into the ring. Do you have any recommendations on things I should work on with a young and green dog to make the most of my time at these events? So Lindsay, first of all, make sure that your dog will be successful going to these events. So if you anticipate a lot of issues, if you anticipate your dog not being able to eat and listen and respond to cues and walk normally with you, then you need some interim steps. You need to build up to this step because showing up, because just exposure will not help you. And then having said that, if the dog is capable of doing those things, I would do just that. So I'd walk in, the dog eats, the dog responds to cues, the dog walks around a little bit, is responding to cues and eating the entire time and then you leave I wouldn't do a lot of hanging out I wouldn't do a lot of you know expecting the dog to do things that are super hard but I want my dog to look at an agility trial environment and think "Ooh, I go in here and it's really fun and I do stuff for rewards with my human so that's kind of the conversation that I would be having with that young dog that's it for this week thank you everyone so much for your questions are you on Patreon yet? It's where you can get all the extras for this podcast. The original tier over there still exists where the dog people of the internet provide the questions for the episodes and guide the content of the podcast. But there's a new tier. You can become a Cogdogarino and get access to my training sessions with my own dogs so that includes agility, obedience, behavior, and stuff with my brand new puppy Rhea, live guest chats, and more. So go to patreon.com slash radio. The link is in the show notes. You don't want to miss out.